I'll give a wave like this just to let you know that that joke is over. I misbehave on stage, but I'm better than when I wasn't sober. Okay, so uh, I've sobered up. There's still some blackouts. And uh, I worked in hymens and survived tornadoes and trailers. But that don't mean I won't put in my two weeks later. Having a good time, baby. Having a good time, baby. We're having a real good time. We're having a good time, baby. Having a good time. Okay, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. Uh, I'm back. I've been gone for a little while, and it's so funny that the last podcast I put out said, I'm back, or Dusty's back, or something. I don't know. I do the titles and speak in third person. But, um, uh, and I put, I'm back, and then what happened, then I didn't do a podcast for uh, months or weeks. I don't know how long it's been. Uh, but, um, you know, I got a lot going on. I had a baby and, um, yeah. And then I've been traveling. I've been back on the road full time. I had a baby and life has been wild. It got wild out here. Um, I'm trying to record a podcast right now and do video without having the ring light all up in my face. So I took the lenses out of one of my glasses, but that's not working. I can't, when I'm blind, I feel like I can't even think. I feel like my brain's not even function properly when I can't see. And I don't know what that's all about, but I put together a podcast. I put together some categories, my flight home this last week, I got into it and I said, you know what? I can do a podcast with categories where I'm coherent, where I make sense and where I don't ramble on. But I'm still going to, and then some people emailed me saying, uh, I wish I could find this email. I don't know why I didn't think of it until right now, but somebody sent me this email about Bible talk, right? And uh, I thought this was uh, pretty funny. But I don't know, maybe I won't find it. But I was talking about on one podcast where I said, hey, I might do a, oh, here, here it is. This guy says, hi, Dusty. I've been listening because a couple of podcasts ago, I talked about maybe doing a separate podcast for religious content, right? So that I, and the point of that was not to necessarily do more, but because the two things were separate, right? Like I love to talk about the Bible and stuff, but I don't want to rope people in. I don't want to trick people. Like I'm up there doing comedy, talking about doing drugs and getting drunk. And, and then I'm like, listen to my podcast. And then you come listen to it. And I'm like, let me tell you about the Bible. Okay. Let me talk to you about Jesus for a second. Um, I mean, I do want to do that, but I don't want to be fooling people. All right. So that was the point. I'm probably not going to do it, but that was the point. And anyway, this email comes in. It says, hi, Dusty. I've been listening to the we're having. It actually says, uh, interestingly enough, I'm just reading this. It's a very short email. It would probably take me longer than it should to get through it because um, I keep stopping. But 
I think he means to say we're having a good time, but interestingly enough, it says I've been listening to the we're having a God time podcast. And uh, I will be honest. I mean, that's what it should have been titled, at least for the last several months. But what's happened is, you know, I um, have, you know, because of this uh, pandemic or whatever, I um, have not been able to tour like I used to tour. And then I ruptured my appendix, which between those two things kept me out of comedy for about two months. And then I had a baby, which is going great, by the way. Uh, I love I love it. Uh, Me and my wife fight a bit, but. Uh, we were fighting before we had a baby, so we can blame the baby if we want, but we're fired up people, me and my wife. You know, we're both comedians, entertainers, craving attention. We're wild. We have wild imaginations, and uh, we'll fight about things, but it never really lasts that long. So anyway, the baby's great. It's amazing to have a baby, just to see this little life that you've created. Also, not even so much that that it's the baby, it's that... We lived in a house together, just me and my wife, like some sterile couple and who were living, you know, selfishly and just doing whatever we want. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, now we have a thing to take care of all the time and not a dog, like a a real human life that we have to take care of. And it changes things, but it changes things in a way that, uh, I feel like makes things happier and brighter and makes life, I don't know, it feels like, okay, let's get with it. I mean, we can feel like the world's going to fall apart if we want, but now we got to, you know, do our best to keep the world from falling apart so that our daughter has some place to grow up into and not some weird type of um, dictatorship, you know. That seems like what people want today. I mean, just... Everybody, it just feels like people, everybody wants to, the, the government to make rules for us. And I'm like, how about we figure out a way to like, take some of the rules away. That's what I'm about. Let's not, let's pay less taxes. Let's take some of the rules away. That's all I'm about. Anyway, here's the pot. Here's the email. Hi, Dusty. I've been listening to the, we're having a good time podcast for a while now. And I find it has enough religious content. Now he didn't emphasize enough like that. I find it has enough religious content, no real need for an offshoot with even more exclamation point. And then he says, love your work. So (laughs) I appreciate it. I'm getting some mixed messages with that. Um, but yeah, I wasn't trying to, you know, create a podcast that have religious content and then, and then still do what I was doing with the regular podcast. But I'm always just trying to come up with an idea. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to figure out how we can make things better, but things have been good and I'm pumped about it. So what I've done is I put together a podcast with categories. So I'm going to try to get into some of those. I think it'll be fun. And then I've got uh, a lot of secondary ones. But first, we'll do a classic uh, category. Oh, that's not it. Here it is. That's not it. Where we've been, where we're going. Where they going. Where they been. Where they going. Where, where they been. Where we're going, where we've been. All right, so since I haven't done a podcast for a while, I've been to a lot of places. So I'm just going to run through them. If I have stories about them, I'll say. 
But I went to Des Moines, Iowa with, uh, and I had uh, a comic from Texas, Dallas, Texas, Ralph Barbosa open for me. And we had a lot of fun. That is a great club, the Des Moines Funny Bone. I really like it there. Uh, a lot of people came to the shows. They laughed a lot. It was super hot. And uh, we had no problems there. I, I saw my friend uh, Tyler uh, on Instagram. He's Tyler the hairstylist. And um, I haven't seen him in a long time, years. I've known him for a while. And it was nice to see him. Um, but Des Moines was, uh, was fun. I've been, I went there probably 2015 as a feature for Dominique and uh, Two Man Show. And I basically bombed all weekend. And I thought I'd never be back. And I wasn't for a while. And then in uh, 2019, I went back uh, and headlined. Uh, and I met uh, comic Chris Covey. And we've worked together a couple of times since then. Actually, Chris will come up again later. Um, but it was really great. I did a video. I have a YouTube video uh, on the road with Dusty Slay in Des Moines, Iowa. It's one of my most viewed ones. It's a lot of fun. I have some clips of me doing morning TV, uh, a little bit of morning radio, and some of the shows and some restaurants we went to. It's a very fun video. So I was happy to go back. Great time as always. Then the weekend after that, I went to Holton, Kansas, which is a small town in Kansas. Actually, what I did was I had a gig in Fall City, Nebraska, which I've done before. Uh, my agent uh, lives in Fall City, Nebraska, and her children's Catholic school does a fundraiser every year. And they had me there in 2019, and they asked for me back this year. So I always enjoy doing it. Uh, I, th I think the town of Fall City, Nebraska is a lot of fun. It's a small town, but it's not, it's not some barren town. It's just small. They do a lot of corn and soybeans and beef. And so, uh, so I flew, you know, and, and flying from Nashville, I'm always connecting. I'm never, as rarely do I have direct flights because I fly American Airlines rather than flying Southwest, even though Southwest has a hub here and I'd probably get more direct flights. But I got myself into a situation. First off, I don't like Southwest seating arrangement. I don't like that they let you choose your own seats. I'm not into that. I mean, I don't mind choosing, but let me choose uh, over the internet um, and have my ticket when I go in, right? Because then I can go, all right, I want an aisle seat this row, and I book that. And I don't see who's sitting next to me. Now, if I'm in Southwest and I got to choose my own seat, and then I board late, uh, I, feel like, I feel like people think I'm judging them if I don't sit next to them. I feel like if I do sit next to them, they're annoyed. I'm like, I just want to with American Airlines, I got very high status because I've flown a lot there. So I get upgraded, especially during the pandemic. It was I got upgraded every flight. It was amazing. I was first class all, all 2020. And I still get first class about half the flights now. But whether I get upgraded or not, I always board early. So I'm on the plane early. I know what my seat is. I like it. So anyway, so I always have to connect. So I flew, did two flights out to Omaha, Nebraska, where I was then picked up by my agent's husband who owns a 2,400-acre corn and soybean farm. Pretty amazing. Um, and they drove me uh, about an hour and a half into Fall City, Nebraska. 
And I got to lay down for about an hour in Fall City, and then I got picked up to go down to Holton, Kansas. And that was about an hour drive. So it is a long day. But I'm doing a community theater in Holton, Kansas. So that's what I love about comedy. I'm seeing this super small town that I probably would never see otherwise. And I don't want to say I'll probably never see it again. But if it's not for comedy, I probably won't. But I think it's great. I love that part of the country. It's just good, small-town people. Um, I find, I mean, this, this, bo- both places, I found everybody to be good, smart people, but just hardworking people with morals. And uh, I just, I love that. And so, um, it's just a lot of fun. And so, I did that. I did that gig, and it went really well, actually. I don't think they have ever had stand-up comedy in Holton, Kansas before. I'm the first comedian to ever do comedy there. And they said they bought an elementary school. They got the Board of Education to sell them an old abandoned uh, elementary school for $1, and they uh, have been renovating it. So they've added a community theater, and uh, I was the first headliner ever there. And the show went great. I loved it. And then the next night was Fall City, Nebraska, where Chris Covey, who opened for me in Fall City in 2019, they also asked for him to come back. So the same family cooked us corn and steak, and we went and we sat in their house, and they have a very nice house, and I spilled water on the counter. I didn't break the glass, but I knocked over a glass, and uh, I hate that because when I was a drinker and I would spill water, I'd be like, oh, sorry, I've been drinking. And then everybody laughs because they're drunk too, right? But I'm sober. So there's no excuse for knocking over a glass now for me. Uh, but, you know, that's what I'm up to. I get a little clumsy. If a house is too nice, I'm uncomfortable. Anything that's too nice, I'm uncomfortable. That's not my scene. My scene is not a too nice kind of thing. I like a home, a homey feel. I like a comfortable house. I, w- I don't want a dirty house. I don't want trash everywhere. But I also don't want it to be too nice. If everything seems expensive and too clean, it's like, uh, how am I supposed to live in here? What do you want me to do? How am I supposed to get around in here? Um, but they didn't make me take my shoes off. So I, I appreciated that. But I had a steak. It was delicious. And then I go to the Catholic school and the show was outdoors. So I thought, well, this is going to be a nightmare. But actually, it was fun. When cars drove by, I could make fun of the cars, and the audience loved it. In fact, at times, they loved that stuff. I think I got my biggest laugh off a guy driving around pulling a boat. I was making a bunch of jokes about the boat and what that guy was up to. And probably my biggest laugh of the night, oh, and another guy started cutting his grass at like 7 o'clock at night while we're doing a show. And those were my two biggest laughs. Um, you know, bigger laughs than the jokes that I've spent years crafting and cultivating and growing. Uh, but hey, whatever works. Uh, if it's if it's the new joke, if it's the old joke, whatever, whatever works. And then after that, I had a show at Zany's. I had Dusty Slade's Grand Old Comedy Show. Really great, hot show. Uh, if you haven't seen that show and you live in Nashville or in around the area, I do a show there every month and I've started to get real loose with it. I've started to, uh, you know, I do my jokes, but I'm also just kind of messing around because it's my only opportunity that I have to really mess around. When I'm on the road, I'm headlining and I feel like, you know, I, I want to do a good job regardless, but I feel like on the road, I'm like, 
this is your Saturday night. You need, you, you're dependent on me to be your entertainment, to, to make this Saturday for you. So I want to make it happen. But, you know, my show at Zaney's is on a Tuesday. So if the Tuesday is not good, hey, you still have Friday. Um, and then I did a corporate gig at the Vanderbilt Golf Club here in town. And that was really great. I think I did an hour and 15 minutes at this show. I was only supposed to do 45 minutes. That's how much fun it was. But when it started, I thought, wow, this is not going to be good. Because it seemed like I was getting crickets. I mean, even the crickets were hiding their head in shame at the beginning. But it turned around. And then I just went back to to the Toledo Funny Bone, which is in Perrysburg, Ohio. Did three shows there. Uh, Such a great time. I love that club. I've been there quite a few times now. The same kind of deal, though. I went there 2015 when I was featuring um, for Augie Smith. and uh, But I didn't bomb those shows. I crushed, and they were great. And every time I've been there, I feel like I've been crushing. And I love that club. I think it's a lot of fun. And now, so that's where I've been. That's all the places I've been since I've last done a podcast as far as I can tell. I went to my friend Aaron Weber and Lucy Sinsheimer got married. I went to their wedding. I did uh, a somewhat of a speech at the rehearsal dinner. uh, And I got a lot of compliments for it. But it was one of those things where it's like the family was getting up, they were talking, and then they opened up the floor to, oh, and one of, um, you know, Aaron's, uh, or, or, yeah, one of Aaron's relatives made a joke where she said, you know, and as Dusty Slay would say, we're having a good time. And a lot of people in the crowd joined in on the we're having a good time. It was a very fun moment. So I didn't plan on giving a speech, but I'll be honest with you. There's this weird thing in my head where anytime I'm going to see some kind of stage performance in the back of my head, I think, there could be an opportunity for me to speak, right? Like what if I go see a band and the equipment stops working and they go, is there anybody who could just talk to the audience here for about 20 minutes? I'm like, this is my time. I always think that. And I've thought that long before I was a comedian. I don't know why. So I'm going to a thing and I think, well, there could be a chance for me to speak. I don't know, but there could be. So, I've worked a couple of things out in my head, but whenever there's a serious moment, I don't know if I've talked about this, but I just, I did a Ted talk. I don't know if it'll ever come out, but I did a Ted talk and I was going to do it on, we're having a good time. And if the Ted talk ever does come out, or maybe if it doesn't, I'll still do the video, but I want to do a video of what the Ted talk was supposed to be because I was supposed to go up and talk about, we're having a good time and how, saying we're having a good time can actually improve your mood and how people have sent me messages saying that some of their darkest times in their life, they were sitting around with family saying we're having a good time and it made them feel better. Um, So that was what my TED talk was going to be about. But then in between writing it and memorizing it, I went to the hospital and had surgery. And after surgery, while I'm in the hospital and I'm in recovering, I'm suddenly like, actually, I'm not sure if I believe this or not. (laughs) I'm not sure if saying we're having a good time helps me. But in the end, it did because I, I, I came back and I feel good again. I feel alive and wonderful. So, um, 
the point of me telling you about the TED talk was I'm at this wedding and anytime I feel like I need to get up and say something serious, it, I always kind of freeze up because I'm like, Ooh, serious is not what I do. Really. I'm trying to, um, you know, I'm trying to, uh, make people laugh. So I always default. So in the TED talk, I kind of froze for a second because I was like, oh no, I don't remember what I'm supposed to say. So I just started doing jokes, but I started trying to do jokes still in the vein of what I was talking about to get it out there that I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I grew up poor and I've always said we're having a good time and, um, you know, that sort of thing. So it worked out. The TED talk was hilarious and people loved it. But is it a TED talk or is it a stand up set? It's tough to say, but I hope it comes out. Um, but I did, you know, so I did a, a speech at the wedding and I had some good funny moments and it was a good time because, yeah, I mean, and I said this and I, I mean this, but it, it came out funny. But I was just like, you know, a lot of people are always trashing marriage these days, but I'm for it. And, you know, they say people will tell you that. 50% of all marriages end in divorce, right? And that statistic may be true. But my understanding of that statistic is that it's not that every couple that gets married, 50% of them get divorced. It's that, like, for instance, I'm not trying to shame my parents here, but for instance, my dad has been married four times. My mom has been married twice. So that means... Uh, 75% of my dad's marriages have ended in divorce. So he's helping skew that, um, that statistic. So I don't think 50% of every couple that gets married gets divorced. It's that people that tend to get divorced will get divorced again. So that makes it so it's just like, I don't know, people really trash marriage these days, but I, I think marriage is a really good thing. I'm, I'm really into it. Um, and the more the more I grow up, the more I appreciate all these things like uh, marriage and having a kid and owning a home and things that I never thought that I would want to do. I mean, I've been I've been getting into physical labor, too, when I'm home because I feel like I do so much sitting around on planes and uh, in a hotel room that when I'm home, I've been doing physical stuff. So I've uh, been growing food. I got corn growing. I got pumpkins and watermelon and basil. I just ate a green pepper that I grew. Um, and I put a little, I sun-dried some of my basil and sprinkled that. I made like a spaghetti with some um, green peppers. And then I put some basil in it. Really great. Some thyme that I've been growing. And uh, I got all kinds of things. I got watermelon going. I think I said that already, but so far I don't have any watermelons, but man, I can't wait. I, I love a seeded watermelon. I eat the seeds. They say seeds are good for you. I eat them and I can't wait until I have watermelon here. Okay, so that is where I'm at with that. That's where I'm at with all of those things. Um, that's where I've been. And now where I'm going this weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'll be in Cleveland, Ohio at Hilarities, a club that I've always loved. I did a guest spot there and then I went back later, probably 2016 or 17. And I featured for Chris DiStefano. Uh, and where I learned that I love that guy, Chris DiStefano is hilarious and such a nice guy. And we had a really great time. And, um, 
So now I'm going back to headline. It'll be my first time headlining hilarities, but only because my first headlining date in 2020 was lost because of COVID. And my second date there in early 2021 was lost due to my appendix. So finally, we're rescheduling it. It's set. The plane ticket is booked. I'll be there tomorrow night and then two shows Friday, two shows Saturday with uh, a comic from Nashville, kind of. Uh, he lives in Nashville now, I think, uh, Alec Parent. And um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And I got a lot of shows coming up. My calendar is up to date. My website is up to date. I haven't necessarily been doing the podcast, but I've been very productive in other areas. Um, my hats are back. Some shirts are out of stock because I advertised the hats and a new shirt, and I didn't anticipate that I would get the amount of orders that I got. And honestly, hats and shirts have been selling really well at shows too, uh, which I'm very grateful for. All this has been really great. So what I want to do, I don't have the bumpers for these things yet. What I want to do is this first segment, I want to do character of the week, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to uh, bring up some character from my life, someone that, um, you know, I've just known for a time and, and talk about them for a second. I don't know if this will be a good segment because who knows, but I have several characters written, but this first guy, I'm not going to say his last name, even though I'm not going to talk bad about him, but I guess I shouldn't do it, but well, I may talk a little bit bad about him, but when I was working for Spectreside in 2000, I took the job full-time in 2008. And then in 2009, um, these uh, dates may be a little off, but there was a real economy crash, right? So things went haywire. And my company, Spectreside, that I was working for, we used to have fertilizer and uh, soil and stuff like that. And when... So for the first four years that I did the job, the first five years, uh, first four part-time and the fifth as a full-time employee, I had 10 stores in Charleston, 10 Lowe's and Home Depot's, and I would, you know, stock fertilizer, I'd stock garden soil, and then I did pesticides. And I stayed in really good shape because I was physically stacking 50-pound bags of fertilizer and pushing them around with a pallet jack. I mean, I was pretty ripped, not ripped, but because I was eating and drinking a lot, but I was pretty strong. And uh, so I was doing that a lot. But in 2008, all that changed. They sold off the whole fertilizer side and then they laid off half the company. So I didn't get fired. I picked up uh, the guy, the, the sales rep for Myrtle Beach and the sales rep for Savannah, Georgia got laid off. And I picked up those areas. So I had the East Coast from Myrtle Beach, actually from Shalote, North Carolina, all the way down to Hinesville, Georgia. So I had quite the area, and it, honestly, it was too much. It's too much area, it didn't make sense, and I had a terrible boss. I'll do a podcast about him. I've talked about him before because I did the whole layout of Spectracide, um, but he's such an idiot. I mean, and I hope he listens to the podcast to hear it. I'm not gonna say his full name. I might've said it already, but what an idiot that guy was. I've forgiven him. Um, but geez, I mean, the guy had no understanding of what my territory was and he made my life hell for a few years, for three years when he could have just got it together, been a decent human being and we could have really got it done, but he was really fat 
and he dipped a lot. So he had no energy. I know because I dip too. dip drains your energy. So this fat idiot would come, uh, to visit me. And if you're overweight, this doesn't apply to you. Okay. This is, I'm calling him a fat idiot because he was all right. Not everybody that's overweight is fat. I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm just saying this guy, fat idiot. Right. And, uh, I shouldn't say these things about him and I am sorry for doing it. I'm just trying to be funny, but I'm also being serious. The, <laughs> so, you know, he would drive, he would come out to see, he would always yell at me about working longer. He's like, you got to work longer. And the, the problem with working was there was so much drive time involved. I'd drive two hours to a Lowe's and then get out and my energy's gone. I'm supposed to stock pesticides and then get back in the car and drive another 30 minutes to two hours to another store. And so this guy would be like, you got to do it. You just got to do it, man. You got to, he had a gravelly, stupid boy. You got to do it. And, and then, uh, uh, and then he would show up and he'd go, man, I'm tired. That driving's killing me. That driving's, oh, oh man, it's wearing me out. And it's like, yeah, dude, that's what I'm doing all the time. So anyway, when I took the, uh, expanded my territory, took the position, I had to hire someone for the Savannah area. I had to hire someone for Charleston, but in Myrtle beach, the last sales rep said, Hey, I have a guy. He's done it for me every year. He's worked for me every year. Every spring, we hire a seasonal employee. He says, this guy, Rich, has done it every year, and he's a really good guy and a really hard worker. I recommend him. And I didn't want to go through the trouble to hire someone. So Rich was the guy. So I go up and I meet Rich. And Rich is probably in his 50s. He's uh, a retired New York City police officer, but is just a jolly type of guy. I think he's just, he's semi, he's pretty much retired, living in Myrtle Beach, golfing a lot. He looked like when he probably wasn't wearing the Spectracide shirt, he was probably wearing some kind of floral shirt. He had a nice haircut, glasses, clean shaven, just a nice guy. We weren't allowed to wear shorts at Spectracide. We had to wear pants, but I bet on the days I wasn't around, Rich wore shorts. Matter of fact, I think he wore shorts on some of the days I worked with him. I didn't care. Uh, I don't care what people do. That's why I'm a terrible boss. I don't care what other people are up to. I got, I, as long as you're not affecting me, I don't care. And just, uh, uh, I just thought, I mean, I think Rich was probably, uh, a terrible employee because I bet he wasn't working all that hard. Um, but he had, he, he, um, he had this bumper sticker. And I always think about this bumper sticker because this was the kind of attitude that Rich had. His bumper sticker said, today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. I just think that's weirdly profound. Uh, he said he did not buy the bumper sticker. I think he said that was a mentor of his or a coach that he had in high school that used to say that all the time. And I think that today with people having so much anxiety, like they have all the time, I think they could stand to memorize that and say it to themselves because there is plenty of things to worry about today to be thinking about tomorrow. I mean, and that is for sure. And it's like, if you're sitting around going, oh man, oh, uh, tomorrow I got to do this, this, and this. And it's like, well, right now is the tomorrow you thought about yesterday. And it's like, I just think it's amazing. 
and I always like Rich. And it's like the day, the the last time I had to lay him off, and he, everybody knew the layoffs were coming, so nobody was ever shocked by it. But it'd be like, you know, towards towards fall, everybody's going to start getting laid off. You just never know exactly what time it was. So I had to let him know, and then he couldn't meet me for lunch. I was like, I was going to come up and meet you for lunch. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. And then I quit. So I never saw Rich again. Uh, he used to hit me up on Facebook once in a while, but I haven't seen him in a long time. He didn't come see me the last few times I've been in Myrtle Beach to do comedy. Well, and to be honest, thank goodness. Because uh, I did the Alabama Theater. That was a lot of fun. But I do the Carolina Comedy Club sometimes. Wow, what a what a joke that is. And I don't think that it's a joke because of the people running it, although there's an argument to be made for that. I think it's a joke because of... Just the location. I think Myrtle Beach is a weird place. So, oh, that leads me to this. I mean, I, I guess um, um, a story from my past is the next segment. And I thought since I was talking about Rich and Myrtle Beach that I would go right into this. So that's interesting. Myrtle Beach. Um, I had to start going up to Myrtle Beach with Spectreside. And prior to that, I had never spent time in Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach was not even on my radar, really, because people love Myrtle Beach. But I lived in Charleston, South Carolina. And Charleston, to me, is without question the best East Coast city in South Carolina. It's better than Savannah, Georgia. I know that's Georgia. It's better than Hilton Head. It's better than Bluffton. Charleston's the best. Now, I'll welcome an argument from anybody about any of those things, but Charleston's the best. It's amazing. So Myrtle Beach was never on my radar. And honestly, I thought always thought people in Myrtle Beach was were a bit more redneck than what I would prefer. And I love redneck people, but there's just a thing about it, right? There's something to me. If they're my rednecks that I know and love, it's a blast. But some rednecks, if you don't know them, I mean, they just ruin the whole time. They can just ruin the whole party. You know what I mean? You get it. And uh, I think rednecks, uh, you know, Charlie Daniel says what most people call a redneck. He ain't nothing but a working man and earns his living by the sweat of his brow and the calluses on his hand. Right. That's not who I mean. <laughs> I mean, like, just people that you see, they're just loud and they're just it's like, all right, just take it easy. I mean, I see him all the time and I, I don't. I'm not mad at him. I get it. I used to be, Lord. I mean, when I was drinking, I was such a loud idiot. I, I love to call people idiots because I also call myself an idiot. I mean, I've been an idiot. Oh, it's almost like, give me five years and I'll be calling myself an idiot in 2021. You know what I mean? In 2026, I'll be like, oh, in 2021, I was such a moron. What an idiot. You know what I mean? I do it to myself all the time. Uh, but I believe it's true, and I believe that if, if you're always improving, you can always look back and go, man, back then I was an idiot, and uh, I'm okay with it. All right, so I'm, uh, you know, so Myrtle Beach, I start going there, and I'm just, I, part of me is so excited, though, too, because I'm like, all right, I'm about to party up here. I'm about to party but it's not really like that. When you go work a Lowe's and Home Depot all day, by the time you get to your hotel at the end of the night, you're like, I actually just want to go to sleep. I'm tired. So I'd go to a restaurant, I'd have a few drinks, and then I would go back to my hotel and pass out. But one particular time I had to go, um, there was a Lowe's in Surfside, which is South Myrtle Beach. 
And this Lowe's was going to have a big day there. They were going to have all the store managers from the area at that store for a meeting where all the sales reps would be teaching a class. So I would be teaching a class on pesticides and telling them why my pesticides were the best. And it was a big deal. Even the district manager for that area was going to be there. I mean, it was a huge deal. And I went and I was staying at Broadway at the beach, which is where Carolina Comedy Club is located now. Weird how life comes full circle sometimes. And so I'm up there and, you know, during this time, uh, you know, Margaritaville, the chain restaurant, in, in my mind, seemed like some kind of fancy, exciting place. So I go, all right, I'm staying at Broadway at the beach. I got me a hotel down here. I'm, I'm pumped. I've worked a little bit today. I got a big day tomorrow, but I'm going to pop in to Margaritaville and start having a few drinks. So I start sitting, I start sitting at the bar. I start, I make friends with this, this woman there, a girl, she's probably close to my age, pretty attractive. And I make friends with this dude. They're not friends. They all become friends because of me. I had this amazing ability to make friends when I was a drinker. I could go out alone, I could sit, I could start talking to people and I could make friends. But I also had this ability to lose those friends in that same day. I could make them, we would be best friends and then all of a sudden they're like, what's happening? And uh, I used to do it all the time. I can't explain it, but I would do it all the time. So I sat there and I don't know if they drugged me nothing happened. But I just remember we all planned to go to a different bar and we were all pretty drunk, but we just, we all planned to go to a different bar and it was more of a club. And I was like, cool, we could walk there. But I was like, I got this food in a to-go box. Let me go put it in my car and then I'll meet you guys there. And I was pretty drunk, but by the time I went to my car and then showed up at the bar, I was completely wasted. And I don't know what happened. I was so wasted. By the time I got there, they didn't even want to hang out with me. They were like, oh, dude, uh, what's going on? And um, so I don't know. They could have drugged me. Maybe he tried to drug the girl and he drugged me instead. But I ended up going back to my hotel and I woke up the next morning fully clothed. My food that I had was, I had French fries thrown all over the room. So this is what I assume happened. I assume I blacked out. Now, probably what happened, I probably didn't get drugged. Probably what happened was I did, I was like, all right, let's get out of here. But first, let's do another shot. I was notorious for shots. So I probably did, I have a joke now where I say, you know, you do a couple of shots and you slip into what I like to call the dark side. I had a friend named Eddie McCoy and we used to talk about the dark side all the time. Eddie used to go there too. We get too drunk and then you start to think that everybody hates you and you black out and then you yell at people. I used to do it all the time. I was the worst about it. And I did it so often that I actually got an attitude with people about it. I'm like, hey, dude, if you can't hang, you can't hang. That's not my problem. You know what I mean? Don't be a dick. You know, I'd say stuff like that. And uh, it's a mess. It is a weird cycle that you get yourself caught in. But I haven't drank in like nine years, so I feel good. But anyway, so I wake up the next morning and there is food all over the, 
the hotel and I'm fully clothed. I'm still wearing the clothes I was wearing last night, which is like, is the one bit of comfort I have in it. But I lost a lot of, but I blacked out all the time. I used to black out all the time. But I woke up with about 30 minutes to get to the lows. So I didn't even have time to shower. I just put on my work clothes, got in the car, and I didn't unpack my bag, so I had nothing to pack. I just put on my work clothes. I I went down to the breakfast area. I grabbed a bowl of fruit, got in the car, headed to the Lowe's. Still drunk. I'm still drunk from the night before. And I'm eating the fruit, and the fruit has grapefruit in it. And it's like, blah, I just brushed my teeth. Um... And it ruins the whole fruit bowl. Gary Goldman has a great bit on it, Grapefruits of Wrath. And uh, the grapefruit ruins it all. It is, it is the worst thing. Grapefruit is the worst thing to ever happen to a fruit salad. Give me a grapefruit alone when that's the taste I'm expecting, I'm in 100%. But don't mix it with other fruits. So I get to the Lowe's. I get to the Lowe's and... My goodness, am I, uh, uh, I showed up just on time. I showed up right on time and I'm still drunk and I went in there and I nailed that. I taught those classes and I nailed it. I made friends with everybody in there. Myrtle Beach was one of my best areas and I never really had to go there because they liked me so much. They would hook me up. I had no other area like that, but there was Four Lowe's stores in the area, and they hooked it up. And it's amazing. It's amazing that that happened. And then I went to lunch at the restaurant California Dreamin' with the Pennington pesticide rep. Uh, I think his name was, I forget what his name was. But he he was a nice guy, and I ate food, and when I ate food, I came down. I, I, I suddenly was not drunk anymore, and... I felt like crying on the way home <laughs> and I didn't cry, but I don't know how big of a, a drunk or alcoholic you've been listening to this, but if you've ever done any type of drugs or alcohol to an extreme level, you know, the come down is quite sad and it is, is, it really changes you. You're, I mean, it's like you, I went from like, I'm crushing life to being like, what am I doing with my life? It was still a success, though. I went home, went to sleep, woke up the next day. I was fine. But since then, I've been there. I've done the Carolina Comedy Club. I went there and I featured and I and I really crushed and I liked the condo. Uh, It was a house. I stayed there with uh, Aaron. uh, What is his name? Aaron uh, out of Pittsburgh. Now I can't think of his last name. Well, I hate that. Um, Dang. Let me look it up because I like him. Let's see. I hate when I, oh, Aaron Kleber, I got it. Aaron Kleber, and I featured for him in probably 2016, and it was a lot of fun, and then they wanted to book me to come back and headline, so I came back and headline, and I hated it. I hated it. The club had, the condo had turned, now the club manager was living in the condo, and he had dogs in there, and I don't like indoor dogs for a couple of reasons. One is hair is everywhere. Now I can't breathe. I can't set my bag down on anything. I can't sit on the couch. I can't enjoy myself because everything's going to have dog hair on it. And then I won't be able to breathe in it. And you're going to clog up my sinuses. And I think that's why people have sinus problems all the time. Cause they have so many indoor pets. You're breathing in animal hair all the, all the time. But Hey, what do I know? 
and I don't have any sinus problems and I don't have any indoor pets. I love animals. I like them. I don't love them. I like them. All right. So, so I never wanted to go back after that. I still don't, honestly. I mean, if somebody reported to me that the club had improved and it was really great and wonderful, I, I, I'd want to go back because, you know, uh, who doesn't want to spend some time at the beach? But I also went to, I got to, uh, work the Alabama theater up there for a while. My old manager got me the gig and, um, I subbed for the normal guy and it was a slow, it was their slowest week of the year. So it was pretty terrible just based on the amount of people that showed up. But, um, I got to be friends with kind of the, the main guy there. Well, not kind of, he is the main guy there. Um, Greg Rolls, I couldn't think of his last name. I'm struggling with last names today. Uh, Greg Rolls, uh, who was on Star Search back in the day, he's done the Grand Old Opry, and now he's basically the main guy at the Alabama Theater in Myrtle Beach. And we've become friends since then, and uh, it's really fun. I just, I love that stuff. I love that journey. So that is my story of Rich and my story of Myrtle Beach. Now my next segment I want to call... Uh, a, a favorite actor of mine, or I'm going to just say an actor. Uh, this is a favorite actor of mine, but I'm just going to say an actor and then five movies with them that I really like. Uh, my actor that I'm going to choose this week is David Spade. Reason being, David Spade was in Nashville and was bouncing around wearing a dusty sleigh hat. I did his show twice live in 2019, I believe, and I gave him a hat and he wears it quite a bit. And I really like that. I felt like if, if not for the pandemic, I would have gotten to do David Spade's show a lot more. And I feel like there was a chance we could have, you know, become better friends, but it doesn't matter. Um, I like him, but hey, you know, who knows? He probably doesn't want to be my friend, but, uh, and I'm not, I'm not beating myself up. I'm just saying the guys, got, he got a lot going on. So here we go. These are my Top five movies with him. And, um, and you know, if you, DustySlayComedy at gmail.com, if there's a movie that I'm missing that you think is insane that I didn't mention it, um, bring that up to me. All right, so number five, and this is one of the newer ones, but this is five on the list, uh, The Wrong Missy. I watched that the other day. Uh, me and Hannah watched it. Now, Hannah's great with this. She knew the whole storyline. She could tell me the whole storyline immediately. And, uh, and she was right. But so it's predictable. It's a little filthy at times. And I don't mean to be like a prude, but there was like one song that was playing. And I was just like, okay, guys, like, just take it easy. Uh, but I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was a really fun movie, The Wrong Missing. And then, all right. So then number four, Dickie Roberts. I've always been a huge Dickie Roberts fan. I think that movie is great. And at the end of the DVD, if you have it, they do a song with a lot of child stars, former child stars singing a song. And I think it's really great. I mean, it, because it's all the child stars that I grew up watching. So I think it's really fun. Uh, number three, Black Sheep. What a great movie. Gary Busey has a great role in it. Uh, it's Chris Farley and David Spade and... I mean, the saddest part to me about Chris Farley's death is there is no more Chris Farley, David Spade duos. I think they're so good because the thing that gets overlooked, especially in that time, was what David Spade did to make Chris Farley as funny as he was. I mean, it's 
classic straight man, um, absurd man, you know, that kind of thing. Like Chris Farley was out of control, but he doesn't look as out of control if you don't have super straight man David Spade. It's amazing. I loved it. Uh, Chris Farley did a movie with Matthew Perry, which is actually, was actually pretty good, like Wagon wagon uh no that's john candy it was like i don't know it was some movie it was good i liked it but and then uh chris farley did another one called beverly hill ninja without david spade not as good david spade made chris farley funnier my opinion uh number two tommy boy another david spade uh uh, Chris Farley um, duo. It arguably should be number one, but it is not my favorite David Spade film. It is my favorite Chris Farley film, but not my favorite David Spade film. Honorable mention goes to a movie called PCU. It's Jeremy Piven um, and David Spade. David Spade, uh, it's like in, in the movie Old School, Jeremy Piven plays the character that David Spade plays in PCU and Jeremy Piven basically plays Luke Wilson in old school, if that makes sense. So PCU, really funny movie, honorable mention. Number one, favorite movie, it's obvious, nobody's guessing at it, it's Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt was a movie that I didn't go see in the theater, I thought it was gonna be stupid, I had no interest in seeing it. And it is an unbelievable movie. It has great characters. The Christopher Walken in Joe Dirt may be the best Christopher Walken. Um, and I think it's Rosanna Arquette, maybe Patricia Arquette is in it. She's great. Um, it's just an unbelievable movie. Jamie Presley uh, and uh, uh, the other actress that I, I like her a lot. She's not been in a lot of things, but I, I like her. Uh, they're just, it's so funny. It's got a good message and lots of quotable lines. One of my favorites, Joe Dirt. Okay, so that's it. So that's that's another segment. Look at these segments. I am just, I'm just going through them. Sorry, my phone's ringing. All right, this one is a segment I'm going to call Things I Hate. Okay, now I'm going to read this, but I wrote this the other day, and, I, and this is what I want you to understand about this segment. This is a ridiculous segment where I tell you things I hate no matter how ridiculous they are. Okay, so here we go. So this is the thing I hate, and I want you to know that it's ridiculous because in this, I'm on a plane writing this, basically giving you my inner monologue and my journey through a plane on a day when I'm irritated, right? So it's ridiculous, but maybe you share this. I hate when my plane lands and we, were, and we are delayed even just a little bit getting off. I mean, I mean like we land and I'm like, what's going on? Why are we not getting off the plane? Inside my head, I go into a weird rage about how slow the airport is, and how they don't have any good employees and how you can't find anybody that's willing to work hard anymore. I start thinking about sending an email to the airline telling them how unhappy I am with how they're running their operation. I think about threatening to never fly with that airline again. And then, and when, and when finally someone does come to let us off the plane, there's a little time 
um, uh, let us off the plane. There's a little relief, okay? And when somebody finally comes and goes, all right, we're going to let you off the plane, I feel a little relief. But then I go into hating the other passengers for being so slow about getting their bags out of the overhead bin. I think things like, why is everyone so weak these days? Why can't you get your bag faster than this? Why are people not checking their bags? They knew that bag was too heavy for them when they packed it. And then when I finally get off the plane, I get frustrated about how slow the person is walking in front of me. It never fails. The slowest person. I'm like, why are they walking directly in the middle where I can't pass them without looking like some sort of maniac, right? And then when I do finally get around them, I have a problem with everyone in the airport being slow and being in the way. Unless, of course, someone runs by me and passes me. Then I have the opposite reaction. Then I'm like, get to the airport earlier, dude. Learn to book your flight better so you don't have such a tight connection. And then I get on the moving sidewalk and people are just standing there like the airport actually spent money on something to help them move through the airport without having to walk. Right. And I don't mean I don't mean the uh, the, the, the train that'll take you from place to place. Obviously, that's what that's designed for. But you're going long distances. I hate the moving sidewalk. I love it. But I hate when people they stand on that thing and then they just they're just on their phone like what are you doing you just have no time you just got all the time in the world and 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 i do all that work while all that's going on in my head just so i can show up to my gate with 45 minutes to board and then i feel a bit of relief from the fact that i'm now going to make my flight but my hate is not satisfied because i'm now i'm mad at everyone sitting in the waiting area Skip one seat, guys, not two. Your bag doesn't get a seat. I do this, I, I, I do all this just to get to a comedy club, go on stage and say, we're having a good time. <laughs> okay, so that's my things I hate segment. And I have a lot of those. And these are just things that I realize that I go, I hate when people do that. I always say that I go, I hate when people do that. Okay, next segment, song of the week, okay? Song of the week. I'm not going to play a lot of it. Somebody told me they damn want to skip over everything on the podcast when I play a song on here. But I'm going to play a little of this. I'm going to tell you, I'm not a huge fan of this guy. I'm not a huge fan because um, he hates God all the time in his songs. And, um, and he even has a little mention of that in this song. But I think this song is incredible. And I'm going to play it. And then I'll tell you who it is after I play it. You probably know, but I'm going to play, I don't know, this is a three-minute, 46-second song. I'm going to plan to play one minute of it. So if you want to hit the 30-30 on your uh, phone and not hear it, that's fine. But I'm going to play about one minute of it and then talk about why I like it. As soon as you're born, they make you feel small. By giving you no time instead of it all Till the pain is so big you feel nothing at all A working class hero is something to be 
working class hero is something to be. They hurt you at home and they hit you at school. They hate you if you're clever and they despise a fool. Till you're so fucking crazy you can't follow their rules. Okay, so that's about a minute of the song. It's called Class it's called Working Class Hero by John Lennon. I think it's a great song. It's incredible. I encourage you to go listen to it. I mean, because I'm not like so down about society and whatnot, but they definitely, uh, everything about um, the whole way our system is set up, and, and I don't mean capitalism, in the sense that, you know, people get so confused about capitalism and whatnot today, and it's like, I don't think we have pure capitalism, but I think the ability to go out and start a business, find a need, start a business, and pr provide for yourself is the best system. No matter what you want to call it, I think that's the best system. The least amount of government, the more freedom for you know each other i think that's the best uh people disagree and that's fine but i am pro freedom uh 100 pro more freedom less taxes that's my political platform if i ran for president that was what i would say more freedom less taxes and that's what makes the most sense to me but this but i think it's so weird the kind of weird system that we have like by the time you're five years old they're already ready and now they're doing like pre-k and, and preschool and daycare. And it's like, by the time you're born, you're already put into some weird kind of school structure. And then you go to school until you're 18. And then the moment you graduate, they want you to go take more classes. And then the moment you're out of those classes, you go, you're supposed to get a job. You know, now you got to get a job to pay off the debt from the classes. And then you get married and then you buy a house, you go into more debt, you buy a car, you get established in your job, you keep it because you want the health insurance. And next thing you know, your whole life is gone and you've just been following the system rather than living a little freedom and enjoying yourself. Now, I'm not saying be reckless out here, but uh, uh, that's just what I think. And uh, song of the week, I think that's a lot of fun. Okay, this is great. I'm actually, I don't know why I haven't been doing segments this entire time. Here's my advice to comic segment. No, that's not it. That's the mass rant thing. Uh, advice to comics. Don't cancel gigs, okay? That's my advice. If you're a new and upcoming comic, don't cancel gigs. Now, the reason that I say it, uh, if you have a you know extenuating circumstance, uh, there's nothing you can do. I went to the hospital twice. I had to cancel gigs both times. I hated it. The last time I was in the emergency room um, waiting to get surgery, and I asked them, I said, do you think I'll be able to do comedy this weekend? Right? I didn't want to cancel. I ended up having to cancel like three or four weeks because I was like, oh, there's physically no way I can do comedy. And when I finally went back to Bloomington, Indiana to do comedy after surgery, it was like, I was like, oh man, I shouldn't have come back. Uh, but I did and I had a great time. But the, um, uh, but don't cancel gigs. Like if, if somebody books you, just do what you say you're gonna do. Like if you're a booked um especially if somebody has taken you with them on the road uh, and then you, you uh, cancel on them to do a different gig, like they're going to remember that you did that. And they, at least if it's me, I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm not mad if you do that sort of thing, but I do remember it 
because it's like, especially if I get somebody on a gig, it can be hard to get someone booked on a gig with me. So if I go to the trouble to do it and then they cancel, I'm like, oh, I can't deal with that anymore. I can't do that again. So, and then if you cancel on bookers, then you'll straight up go to the bottom of their list. And it's too hard to build a momentum and build up gigs to be canceling. Now, it may be a little different, you know, if you're like, you get booked locally at a bar show and then you go, hey, I can't do it. But even that uh, is, that booker is going to be like, oh, they canceled on me. Uh, so I don't want to book them again. Depending on their attitude, but I can see that happening. So uh, if you're a comic out here and you're working on stuff, don't cancel gigs. Um, and then there is, um, all right, so I'll do this one. I should have flipped these around. So I will flip these around, but for next time. All right. So then the joke breakdown, somebody asked me about, somebody asked me about, uh, doing one, you know, talking about one of my jokes and then breaking it down. I have this joke called where I say obituary. I say, uh, I think obituary is a funny word. I said that word on the street the other day. And this lady said, would you call me? I said, you ain't nothing but an obituary, right? You ain't nothing but an obituary, making everybody sad all the time. Um, taking up space in the paper, right? Well, um, Obviously, that joke is just wordplay, right? It's a funny word. But what happened was I used to be doing this radio show with Evan Burke called, we called it uh, Three Hour Power Hour, Three Hour Happy Hour, Power Hour. I don't know what it was called, but it was a fun show. And we had a lot of time to fill and we would take call-ins. And so people would call in. And I remember saying on the thing, obituary one time, and one of the girls who had called in said, what'd you call me? And I thought, well, how do I turn that into a joke without... Um, setting up that I've been doing a radio show. And it's just a simple, um, you know, you lie a little bit and you say, I said that word on the street the other day and I heard somebody say, and somebody was like, what do you call me? So maybe that joke breakdown is weak, but this is the first time doing that segment. I'll get into it. Uh, and then life advice. Uh, I don't know why I feel like I need to give people life advice, but people are struggling out here. You know what I mean? So this life advice that I'm going to give is going to lead into some, you know, what I'm calling Bible verse of the week, but there's going to be several Bible verses here. But my life advice is be humble, right? Not like be like really humble, like not saying you're humble, not like I'm humble. Like I feel like if you're out walking around telling people how humble you are, then you're probably not that humble. But like be humble in your spirit, in your mind, where you say, I, nobody owes me anything. I'm grateful for things that I have. I think being humble and being grateful go hand in hand. So that's going to lead me to Bible verse of the week, right? So I'm going to read a few. This is out of James. This is James chapter four, verse 10. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. All right, this is 1 Peter 5 and 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And the reason that I read, and that is, 
two verses. The reason I read that second one, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you, because I think somebody reading the first part, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. I think people read those sorts of things like, you know, like God is some evil ruler and you have to be under the mighty hand of God. But if you believe that God created everything, the heavens, the earth, the trees that take in carbon dioxide and give us back oxygen, and then we take in oxygen and give back out carbon dioxide, that plants grow that we can eat, that animals grow that we can eat, that God took time to tell us what animals to eat and what not to eat because he knew what those animals were made out of because he made them. That seems like a mighty hand of God to me. Um, and I, here's another one. This is uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Oh, I think I typed this up and I think I wrote that wrong. Dang, let me, let me find it here. Um, I had a little typo here that doesn't make sense. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Um, and I just think that one is, is, is important because I've heard people talk about that. If, if, but they always seem to leave out and turn from their wicked ways. Because the thing that I think about wicked ways is God, I mean, people uh, always argue with me about Old Testament stuff, right? And this is just my opinion on it. That it's like God goes through the Old Testament telling us things. He's telling us things that he doesn't like and things he considers wicked and, um, you know, even right down to dietary laws, he says that uh, eating these things are an abomination, that it seems like he really doesn't like them. So I think that if we're doing things that he doesn't like, then that is, you know, wicked ways. And what we, you know, in order for us to understand if that is right or not, then we must humble ourselves before God. And it says he will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And I just think that's great. And then the last one, and this is really what got me thinking about it. I read this. There is a, um, this is uh, 1 Kings uh, chapter 21. There is a guy um, by the name of Ahab. And Ahab wanted this. Now, I'm not going to be able to, Naboth, Naboth, N-A-B-O-T-H is his name. Now, he had, Naboth had a, uh, um, some land with um, a vineyard on it. And Ahab wanted it. Ahab was the king and Ahab wanted it. And he went to him and he said, hey, I want this land. Let me buy it from you or let me give you some land of equal value. And now Naboth, Naboth, uh, what, that was the land of his fathers. And he's like, I can't give this to you. This, is, this has been in my family for a long time. I can't get this, give this to you. So Ahab goes home, and he's basically crying to his wife. In fact, uh, it says, um, uh, he says, uh, it says, 
Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken of him. And he said, I will not give thee the inheritance of his fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. Now this is a king. He was so sad that this guy wouldn't give him the land that he went up to his room, got in his bed, turned to the wall and refused to eat. So he's pouting about it, right? So his wife, Jezebel says, I'll take care of this for you. So Jezebel works out some stuff and she basically has Naboth killed. She has, she has it set up in a way that other people kill him. So there's no correction to Ahab. So Ahab now has the land that he wants. Well, God finds out about this and he tells Elijah and he tells Elijah to go ahead and go over to Ahab's place and let him know what's happening. And Elijah was pretty established by this point. So when Elijah came to visit you, people knew what was happening. If Elijah showed up at your house to give you some news, you were like, okay, all right. <laughs> God's got something to tell me here. And so he told him what was going on and what was going to happen to him. And, um, and so what Ahab did was it came to pass when Ahab heard these words, he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days. But in his son's days, I will bring the evil upon his house. Now, I can't answer for why God would bring the evil upon Ahab's kids. But Ahab basically let his wife kill someone for him. And then he humbled himself and God says, okay, you're forgiven. I'm not going to kill you. I think that's pretty amazing. That's a pretty amazing testimony of what humbling yourself can do. So I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. Let me know if you did. DustySlayComedy at gmail.com. Let me know if you enjoyed it. I like these segments. I'm into it. I have flights this weekend, so I'll be uh, ready to line up a new bunch of segments. Let me know what you thought. And check out my website. My calendar is changing all the time. Bandsintown.com. Uh, uh, if you subscribe there and then subscribe to me, uh, Dusty Slay Comedy. I ended up doing two. There's Dusty Slay and there's Dusty Slay Comedy. But Dusty Slay Comedy is the only one that gets updated. So follow that one and um, you'll know you'll get an email when I'm coming to an area near you. So thank you very much. We're having a good time.